first, I have to make a rebuttal. You guys have been slamming me over an error on my part in my Don't Be Afraid episode. In it, I was trying to illustrate that the stock market is based on perception more than actual performance, and I used the wrong metric. I admit it, I was wrong. But I stand by my point that the stock market is about perception. There's another issue with that episode that I've gotten a lot of feedback about. And that was my fourth episode, and I'm still struggling with how to get my points across. One of my goals in this podcast is to present a few new arguments to some common things, and to sometimes present existing arguments in a different way. My success on this has varied. I'm still working on this mostly one-way form of debate. It's often frustrating, because in real life, you get immediate feedback. Anyway, in that particular episode, I got a little too hung up with describing how bad things could get, and not enough of my real point. Even I listen to it and say, where the hell was I going with that? Well, I actually do know where I was going. Real quickly, my point was that, like it or not, all governments lie to their citizens. I was actually targeting that episode to some people I know that always believe everything their government tells them. People that will argue that no one in the government lies, despite the fact that they're just people like the rest of us, and many officials have been caught red-handed. I'm not saying this gives the government a free ticket to just lie to everyone all the time. I want to stress that I'm not condoning lying. I'm just acknowledging that it happens, and it's not always just to cover someone's ass who screwed up. Although that certainly happens as well. And when you consider how panicky some people are under those circumstances, it might not be the worst call you could make. There. Now I probably just opened up the topic all over again. But anyway, on to this episode. I've come to an important fake decision. I've decided to have a child. It's time I had a backup plan. I need to reproduce so I can impart my insanity on a smaller version of myself. If it's a boy, I will name him Sven. If it's a girl, Sven. That's a gender-neutral name, right? Now that that decision is out of the way, I must begin planning for little Sven's future. I'll have to get some diapers, some of those stale Melbanian breadsticks, and maybe a cute little shirt that says something clever like, Poop factory, or you want it when? My life will completely change. My existence will now revolve around this diminutive being. Prior to this, I could stay out all night drinking robotussing or performing back alley woodpecker taxidermy. But now I have to be responsible. And it's not just having to be responsible. I love this little guy. Look at those fat cheeks. And his face is fat too. I now understand all those songs that everyone thinks are adult love songs, but actually about offspring, such as Depeche Mode's Little 15, Mark Anthony's My Baby You, or 50 Cent's P.I.M.P. I don't mind giving up every weekend, or every weeknight for that matter, just to spend time with this little entity that I helped create. And I spend every day at work wondering what he is doing now. Then one night after he's asleep, I'm watching You Stole My Baby Theater on the Lifetime Network, In this episode, like every third Lifetime movie, a baby is stolen and the mother wants it back. The twist this time is the mother has short red hair. It dawns on me that I've been so hung up in the joy of parenting and wiping feces off Junior's ball sack, I've completely forgotten what a terrible place this world can be. I immediately forego Joanna Kern's award-winning performance to switch on the news. Oh my god! Death, drugs, politicians, blood, guts, guns, cuts, knives, lives, wives, nuns, sluts. This is terrible. How is Finn supposed to survive this? Admiral Jarek was right. There comes a time when you must change the world for your child, for all children. But what can I do? I'm just one, one man. 
Well, maybe I can't change the world, but I can protect my own child. Starting this instant, I'm buying a bigger deadbolt for my front door and a gun for protection. Oh no, wait. If I buy a gun, Sven will shoot his eye out, just like Peter Billingsley did in that movie, Jingle All the Way. Barbed wire, then. I'll surround the house with barbed wire. That'll keep the crack addicts and the one-eyed hordes at bay. But what about those bratty Dillinger boys down the street? Their overly competitive games of Candyland and unkempt hair are surely to influence young Sven towards the dark side. I am his father. I must protect him. I know what's best for him. He doesn't understand how bad it can get. He can't even use a straw correctly yet. I'm going to replace all the flooring in the house with four-inch thick memory foam. Then I'll just seal off the upstairs so there's no chance that he'll ever tumble down them like Eddie Murphy's grandmother. He'll get exercise at the playground. The playground. Oh my god, the playground. All that rope and splinters and those strangers lurking under the slide. Isn't that where Nambla has their monthly meetings? Well, the playground is completely out of the question. Svenny's got to get some exercise somehow. There's got to be some other parents that have my same concern. If I can find them, we can form a loose group where we shield our children from the harsh realities of the world. We can make a soccer team with extra padding so the kids can get their exercise, but not too much. Too much of anything is bad. We'll teach the children not to say any disparaging remarks towards the others when they miss a shot, even to that kid with only three toes. Instead of being ridiculed for their clothes or the size of their penis, we can show them that all children are special, not just the ones that ride the short bus to school. We'll teach them that each child is unique, just like everyone else. School. Wait, school? Oh man, that's not going to happen. I read an article that says children are 834% more likely to be exposed to bullies in school than if they stayed at home. Oh, and school is filled with disappointments. I'll never forget how I felt that time I got a C on that test about famous Jewish sports legends. I felt like such a failure. I can't put Sven through that. He's perfect and so smart. And I'll not have some damn holier-than-thou teacher telling me that he doesn't know what year that Napoleon brought public schools to France or how long the Mesozoic era was. Oh my God, they'll teach him about dinosaurs and plankton fossils, and then they'll show him that picture of gill slits and a human embryo that Kent Hovind is always disputing. They're going to science the Jesus right out of him. Everything the church pumps into him for the next eight years will be blown away by the two weeks they spend on evolution. Once they show him tree ring dating, he'll lose all spirituality forever, and there's nothing I can do. Nothing I can do. And then there's the disrespectful kids that are raised by murderers and single mothers. They'll make fun of his misshapen head and the fact that one leg is shorter than the other. They'll ask him if he grew up on a hill and call him Slanty Sven or Sven or He'll come home crying and there's nothing I can do. Nothing I can do. They might even beat him up. They'll gang up on him and punch him in his nays. Gangs? Oh my God. What if they lure him with promiscuous nine-year-old girls into an alley and force him to get hooked on the drugs? He could become a dope-dealing gangster rapper. It's clear to me now that I can't let him go to public school. I can't afford private school, so I'll have to teach him myself at home. Fortunately, my wife can support us with her job as an industrial chimney sweeper. My job of swamp road toll booth operator has perfectly trained me to educate my own child myself. I mean, I graduated, therefore I learned enough to teach. Hell, there ain't nothing he can't learn from the safety of the kitchen. I can personally ensure that he gets one-on-one -on -one help. Instead of someone belching out facts at a chalkboard, I can show him the wonders of the world from the kitchen table. We can go on guarded field trips to museums and learn more than what the guide tells him. He won't be distracted by other children and their adolescent shenanigans giggling at the word duty and cubist paintings. Sven will learn better family values because he's surrounded by it all day, every day. 
Instead of waiting for a teacher to grade papers, he'll get feedback immediately. And I won't have to give him busy work. He'll be able to devote all of his time to academic studies that matter. I can make sure he only interacts with responsible children. When he turns 15, I'll encourage him to begin courting young ladies of our choosing. I can ensure his dating doesn't result in unwanted pregnancies or diseases. More importantly, he won't be deflowered before he's ready for the responsibility. And then, when he turns 16, I'll start construction on the greatest gift a father can give his child. The Life Chamber. A small, city-sized, protective environment where only the elite may enter. I'll control the quality of people that are allowed to enter the Life Chamber. Following FDR's New Deal, I'll create a local self-sustaining economy that contains colleges as well as numerous jobs. I'll guide Sven into choosing a career that will show off his talents, and because his inhabitants have been handpicked, I can feel secure knowing that Sven will be safe. The psych examination that I give all the inhabitants will ensure that none of his co-workers will ever go postal. He won't even counter drugs or Satanists. The life chamber radiates a jamming field to prevent any unauthorized communication such as radio, TV, satellite, or phone from getting in. I'll have an entire team dedicated to monitoring it as well as producing top quality PBS programming with no commercials to entice him into becoming fat from eating too many Lucky Charms or becoming too self-conscious due to the ultra-buff men in underwear ads. I'll seed the life chamber with suitable women that will go through a careful screening process. Of course they'll want to live in the life chamber. Why wouldn't they? It'll be perfect. After Sven marries, I'll monitor his daily life with his wife through hidden cameras placed throughout the life chamber. Should she ever raise her voice to him, she will be punished. Without his knowledge, of course. This is his wife. He loves her. He wouldn't want anything bad to happen to her. That would upset him. The life chamber will prevent terroristic advances, bad dreams, career failures, verbal and physical abuse, erectile dysfunction, high cholesterol, attacks by rabid untrained circus weasels, and bad breath. It will ensure a perfect life for Sven. Eventually, I will grow old and die. But I'll have thought of that. I'm thinking about it right now. The life chamber will grant me many patents. I will use these patents to sue every company I can. Eventually, I'll have enough money to start an everlasting legal entity that will carry out my wishes and keep the life chamber running forever. It will protect my child, his children, and their children forever. There's no holes in my plans. It's bulletproof! Except the fact that I'll die, and that would upset Sven. I'll have to start a clone research operation immediately. And it is with that thought that I decide to buy some new graph paper. On the way to the office supply store, a suicidal accountant hurls himself from a building where he lands squarely on my left shoulder, killing me instantly, leaving little Sven to grow up a normal child in a normal world, facing normal dangers, and live a normal life. What the hell was that about? That seemingly meandering tale of a father's love gone awry was intended to graphically, and non-realistically, show the lengths you would have to go through to truly protect your child from the world. Oh, I left out all kinds of bad things that could happen. Yeah, yeah, we all know that. You got something more specific in mind, old man? Yes, I do. There are numerous reasons why a parent may wish to homeschool their child. Probably one of the best is that public schools aren't the most efficient method of teaching. It utilizes a common denominator approach where most children are treated equally, regardless of an individual child's strengths or weaknesses. Homeschooling your child would allow you to custom-tailor your child's education to their needs. Consider that the worst reason is to protect your child. 
Trying to protect your child from hearing of drugs, Cocaine, hearing profanity, or even shielding them from single topics you disagree with is just counterproductive. Like I said, there are some good reasons to homeschool your children, but safeguarding them from the world isn't one of them. The very attempt is actually very detrimental. As I was trying to point out, unless you're going to continue protecting your child throughout their entire life, all you're doing is making them ignorant of how to protect themselves. The most common reasons I have heard personally for homeschooling are to prevent drug use, eliminate peer pressure and abuse, hide evolution, and thwart being caught in a school shooting. I'm not saying there's not other good reasons, but these are what I've personally heard most often, and these are the reasons I want to discuss here. So what's wrong with wanting to protect your child from these things? It's a very noble effort, and I commend anyone for wanting better for their child. But two questions come to mind. A. Can you actually shield your child from all the evils of the world? B. Will the attempt at shielding your child from said evil have any unintended bad side effects? I don't think anyone would argue that it's possible to protect your children from all evils. But that's not the point of parents who homeschool. They must do something so they'll do what they can. I can't stop the bad people of the world, but if I can protect my child until age 18, that's possibly one-fifth of his life that I've saved. Unless you plan to isolate your offspring from all human contact, you really can't even prevent those bad things you seek to stop. Surely you recognize the importance of letting your child interact with other children. Of course you do. No one is saying you don't. So let's say you don't isolate your child, but severely control who he or she hangs around with. Unless you truly isolate your kids, they will eventually find other children who don't believe as you do. As they get older, they may ride their bicycle around town and meet other kids that way. They may find kids who will use profanity and introduce them to drugs. They will find kids who make fun of them because they're different and start fights. I contend that you can't actually keep your youngin' from the things you dislike. They will at least be exposed to bad things whether you like it or not. You can only succeed in delaying the inevitable. Instead of 7, they may get into their first fight at age 17. Instead of 15, they may be exposed to drugs when they're in college at 25. So what's wrong with simply trying to limit what they run into as long as possible? That goes into my B point. Will anything bad happen if you make this attempt at false protection? You can't stop bad things, but you can surely limit them for 18 years. But isn't your goal for your child to be happy and self-sufficient? How would you like the idea of you being killed in a piano-moving accident when your child is 25, then looking down from heaven only to see your child is miserable because they're now forced to deal with the cruel world that has always been there? They need to become independent. The world is full of bad things, bad people, bad movies, bad podcasts, like this one. Allowing a child to come into contact with these things at a young age allows them to learn how to deal with them. No, I'm not saying you should just throw your kid into a whorehouse with a $50 bill taped to his chest and see how he turns out. But kids need to deal with failure. They need to be scared. They need to be ridiculed for no reason. They need to be given a choice to do right or wrong. They need to be emotionally and physically hurt. It's how humans learn. You most likely learned how to protect yourself from the world by experiencing it. As a parent... Seeing your child go through these things is painful. But how do you know they're painful? Because you've been through them yourself. 
Allow your child the same experience. Allow them to appreciate how good they will eventually have it by allowing them to experience bad things. This provides children with a reference point of view. How can you know you're happy if you've never been sad? As such, this point of reference also provides your child with a way to validate their lives. They know they're happy because they've known unhappiness. But it's not just about pain. It's about being forced to deal with your fellow man. I've heard people say that that's the one thing they really don't like about public school. Their children are forced into classrooms, and they only become friends with others out of geographic convenience, in this case, the desk arrangement, as opposed to common interests. The last time I checked, I don't really have much say about who sits at the desk next to mine at work. Yeah, that sucks. Deal with it. That's reality, unless you want your kid to be a forest ranger. And even then, he won't have any choice about which bears live in his forest. Hey, boo-boo, we gotta get the picnic baskets before the ranger gets back. But being forced to deal with my co-workers has led to some great friendships, too. And this brings me to my most important issue with homeschooling. When you say you want to protect them, you really mean you want to protect them from people who'll injure your kids. Protect them from gin-swilling, gun-toting, foul-mouthed, cantankerous, regular people that go to public school. You have no problem with them seeing children that you approve of. But the world is not made of the people you approve of. The world is diverse. In a country that prides itself on being a melting pot, your first formal act of teaching to your child is to hide that diversity from them. Diversity doesn't mean good Christian whiteies and good Christian Negroes. It means all people of all walks of life, of all races, religion, and social classes. People who... Hold on to your flannel panties. Disagree with you. By homeschooling, you're raising a child to only know a narrow view of life. Your view. They will only know people in your social class. Probably of your same belief system. Maybe you'll take them to a soup kitchen to show them helping the less fortunate. Okay, so that's two social classes you've introduced them to. Yours and some poor people. There's more than two classes. School is supposed to expand your mind. School is about more than just learning facts. It's about learning to interact with the rest of the world. You need to be exposed to rednecks driving their jacked-up mud boggers, to long-haired freaks listening to whatever today's Morrissey is, to the incredibly shallow pretty girl clique, to the skinhead white supremacists. Why would you want to expose your children to those people? How about because those are the actual people that will make up the population that your child will have to deal with? Whether you like it or not, the world is diverse, and your child will live in the world. They might as well learn how to deal with these people. I contend that in life, you are forced to deal with diverse people. It can't be avoided. If you disagree and think that your child won't have to deal with these people, then you're saying... Once my child graduates the kitchen table, all those bad people he would have otherwise gone to school with die or suddenly become productive, well-meaning, law-abiding members of society. No. What changed when your child graduated? Nothing. I guess by that logic, if you don't work with them or live with them, then they're not there? You might not have to work with them. You might only get your pizza delivered by them. But these are the members of society. I strongly feel there is value in knowing differing viewpoints, especially when you disagree with it. Diversity reduces fear by exposing your child to differing and normal situations and people. 
it lets your child realize that those weirdos smoking and cursing outside the gym really aren't going to hurt them. Diversity reduces ignorance by letting your child learn of others' belief systems. This especially helps making responsible social decisions by understanding the people in the community. Diversity improves self-confidence around others, especially those that are different. Why? Because you gained experience by being around them. Diversity allows you to experience more things in life. Instead of missing out on some truly wonderful things like different types of music or books or any number of other things, you can meet numerous people who can show you the world you may not have even seen yet, as opposed to just learning what mommy and daddy approve of. Diversity improves tolerance and reduces prejudices, mostly by reducing ignorance. You realize those people you don't like have the same fears and dreams as you. They just spend their free time differently than you. This is incredibly important. If you want peace, you need tolerance first. Diversity improves social skills. Like I've been saying, you're going to have to deal with these people whether you like it or not, so you might as well learn how. Do you think black teenage boys who listen to rap and play basketball communicate in the same manner as the white cheerleaders whose daddy bought them convertibles? No, but both of these people are in the world. Public school is an opportunity to be exposed to these two different cultures. Learning diversity is a very good thing indeed. The number two most annoying thing on the planet to me is when somebody makes blanket derogatory statements about others without even trying to understand them or their position. It bothers me when I hear someone say that some person is an idiot without knowing anything but what they immediately see. That guy's an idiot. Look at that crappy car he drives. It's falling apart, and I know he can afford better. Well, maybe he'd rather spend his money on his family. That guy's a fag. He shaves his legs. Well, maybe he's a competitive swimmer, and he does that to lower his time. That kid's a drug-addled thief. He's got purple hair. Well, maybe he's just trying to express himself, and he likes purple. Just because he's different doesn't make him a thief or a drugged-out loser. By shielding your child from diversity, you're shielding them from the natural implicit learning of others' motivations. Hearing the conversations of others during homeroom or at the next lunch table is very helpful. Noticing that people are involved in school clubs and sports that you don't like is a learning experience. It demonstrates a supremely important lesson. Not everybody thinks like you do. And everyone makes up the world. But why can't you learn diversity after graduating homeschool? I'm certainly not saying that's impossible. But two things come to mind. A. Where else do you get such a diverse grouping of people, not just in interests, but in social classes? Most, not all, but most jobs don't force you to interact with hundreds of people of such a wide range of diversity as school. I don't go to lunch with the president of my company. He's quite wealthy. But my kid could go to the same school as his kid. So could our janitor's kid. That would be an opportunity for all three of those kids from three social and financial classes to learn from each other. And B, and I've done no studies on this, but old people aren't known for being curmudgeonly for nothing. Prejudices are learned early in life, and it's not my experience that most people really even care to question their beliefs. So once they're adults, the damage is done. I suspect it's easier to learn a prejudice than it is to unlearn it. Let me mention a specific reason I hear frequently for homeschooling. Profanity. You surely don't want your child to be forced to listen to profanity. So you think homeschooling is the answer? There's a guy from Philadelphia that I work with. Good guy. Nice guy. Curses like a sailor and is proud of it. 
He proclaims that he grew up on the streets and that's how real people talk. He proudly informs you that if you have a problem with his language, you are welcome to fornicate yourself with an inanimate length of hose. Although he's a lot more explicit and somehow manages to bring up various donkey parts. He should be fired immediately, you say. All I can tell you is that I've worked in numerous jobs, and the only one where some employee wasn't profane was that summer I worked in a small print shop, and then we got to hear the customers chew us out because they wanted saffron instead of goldenrod. Whether you agree or not, and just for the record, I don't think it's appropriate to curse around others who don't like it. But whether you agree or not, people curse. So you're not protecting your child. It's just that now he or she doesn't really know how to handle people who do. If nothing else, they may be completely uncomfortable just trying to have a conversation. Plus, they won't even get the concept behind Yosemite Sam yelling, Frigger, 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 Frigger. I want to mention another protection thing. School shootings. School shootings are bad. But then again, your child is going to need to learn how to duck and cover at work. At least twice a year, an indignant employee bursts through our front doors a la Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator and takes out anywhere from 5 to 25 people before the local SWAT team takes them down. We've gone through more receptionists than coffee filters. But blazing afternoon gunfights are a part of working in the real world, and you'd better get used to it. Huh? Not buying that? I don't either. The only person I know that was even remotely involved in any kind of shooting was my sister who was at the mall when some guy shot three people as he begged for someone to take him seriously when he said he heard alien voices in his head. But my sister was at the other end of the mall and she didn't see anything. True story. My point is that public shootings are not a common everyday occurrence for most people. You might as well argue that your child is more likely to be struck by lightning in public school or maybe raped by an escaped and agitated mountain goat. What's that you say? You live in a bad part of town where gang shootings are common? Oh, well, in your case, then your child may have to deal with that when he goes to work. But I'll concede your point. If you live in an area where any kind of shootings are common, maybe you should consider homeschooling. But I stand by my point that I'm pretty sure that's not the norm. Let me summarize. I have two points in this episode. One, homeschooling your children for the purposes of protecting them is ineffective as the real world is still out there. And it only serves to make them ignorant of how to protect themselves. Two, homeschooling by design severely limits the diversity your child is exposed to. This lack of diversity leads to fear, ignorance, and discrimination. Whether you agree or not is up to you to decide. But there, I've laid two more things on the table to consider. And yes, I'm well aware of the many other reasons to homeschool your child, such as more effective learning, more time to learn more useful and interesting subjects, and the ability to impart better family values. I'm choosing not to address those here, and I'm making no claim one way or the other about those reasons. Having said that, will your homeschooled child be complete failures? Assuredly not. But I contend you're probably raising children that are more ignorant of the world that they must eventually join than those who attend public schools. Just for the record, I'm basing my beliefs after seeing the results of homeschooling. Maybe I've only seen homeschooling gone wrong, but the basic premise seems to be counter to learning diversity which maybe you don't value as much as I do. I believe it was Walt Disney's armada of animatronic children that said, it's a small world after all. Visit our website at logicallycritical.com. Send feedback to podcast at logicallycritical.com.